Hey, you're listening to Saturate, an AOC podcast, with me, your host, JJ Placencio. And today's special quarantine edition, we have my old friend, Pastor John Burke of Gateway Community Church, and author of Imagine Heaven. Let's dive in. Let's call him in. Pastor Chad and I have some questions for him. But first, John... Hey, bro. Hello. How are you? Have you been all right? Through all those lonely, 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 lonely nights. Never mind, I forgot you're married. I love Kathy, she's awesome. And everybody, and uh, never mind, let's start the podcast. (laughs) So, John, how you been, man? Oh, well, like everybody else, isolated. <laughs> yeah. What, this is crazy, isn't it? Have you ever seen something like this before? No. it's uh, Yeah, I have no idea what, what's coming, but I have a feeling it's more than we're anticipating. Mm-hmm. So are you, you guys... Know, like, uh, go ahead. Uh, I just can't imagine it, it, we, we shake it all off in a month. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. How, how are you guys uh, running ministry over there right now? On Zoom. <laughs> Everything's on Zoom. Right, like the rest of us. Yeah. What about, is that what you're doing? Oh, yeah. If I only would have uh, taken some stock out on Zoom before this. Oh, yeah. No, it's explode. Zoom's exploding. <laughs> it's fun. You know, one idea that I saw some church doing was uh, they had like a drive-in church. You know what? We, we, we almost rented a movie theater. Actually, the, the out, it was like a drive-up movie theater where you have your little speaker. Oh, yeah. Outdoor. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, Dude, I don't know. Which it just reminds me, when we were portable back in the day, uh-huh. um, for you listeners out there, I don't know if you know this, but John Burke is a senior pastor at uh, Gateway Community Church here in North Austin, but now they have campuses all over. Uh, How many campuses do you have now? Uh, Seven. Seven campuses. But when it first started, we were meeting at a theater, um, the General Cinema over uh, over in the Arboretum area, and we would choose which theater to load in and out by the latest time that we would, you know, that whatever theater let out the latest had the, you know, the, the, remember that, John? And, JJ, JJ uh, came and auditioned. He was touring the world with Sixpence None the Richer. And I, I had the audacity to think I could get him to leave that and come. And he did his audition in uh, the movie theater showing The Exorcist. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, the, and I'm not kidding. Like the power kept shutting off as he's playing. He just kept strumming no, and kept singing, but it would like just completely shut off and then completely come on. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was like a instead of a strobe light, it was like with audio. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's hilarious, man. Yeah. I remember also just thinking back to some stories. I remember one time, do you remember when uh, you smashed my guitar on stage? (laughs) (laughs) With a hammer. With a hammer, that's what it was, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was like on conflict resolution yeah. or something it like was that. A, it, yeah, it was an illustration we were doing on how people deal with conflict. 
<laughs> and I'm playing guitar, <laughs> and you come over and smash it with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of your older guitars, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a pawn, uh, pawn shop guitar. That's right. Man, um, this, this book has been pretty exciting. Have you? Did you ever think it'd have this much impact? No, I mean, I was really... I was hesitant to write it. it took me 30 years. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I, I mean, I pretty much said to the Lord, well, we'll see what happens. It's what you want me to do, but I don't know, you know? Um, but it, it was something that, uh, was the kind of the beginning of my journey to faith. Um, you know, when, when my dad was dying and I was still a, an agnostic, and uh, someone gave him a, a book on the very first research on the topic that, that coined the term near-death experience. And I read it in one night, and I was blown away. I was like, oh, my gosh, like this Jesus God stuff may be real. Uh, and, and so that opened me up then to accept an invitation to a small group Bible study where then I, I came to faith in Jesus that next year. Wow. And then the little book, What's After Life, that's not— that's not about Life Serial or the magazine? <laughs> yes, for you, Life Serial. Okay, great. Yes. Actually, uh, Chad, you're... After Life Serial comes Cheerios. That's right. <laughs> I hope. Um, oh, because they're holy? Yeah, exactly. Oh. You haven't changed a bit. Like, John, <laughs> no, that's right. Some things yeah. don't ever change, do they? I, I pray for you daily because I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's part of your prayer and fasting. <laughs> funny. Well, we're excited about the book, bro. We're we're excited. Um, Chad is um, he's a our um, just a small groups pastor. There's that the, is that your title, Chad? What is a what is yeah, the official pastor of discipleship? Cool. That's right. And so we've been gearing up for uh, the citywide movement, and uh, even Chad had some questions for you too, on just how we can best lead our people and create some conversations. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so John, I, I've really appreciated the book as well and, and kind of had almost a similar approach to it maybe than you had to your, uh, the one you, you got from your father. Uh, I read that in the story cause I've, my background is science as well. And I know you have that engineering background. So, I was, I was always real skeptical of a lot of the, the books on heaven and various things and people's experiences and the phenomenalization of a lot of that stuff. So when I grabbed it, when I went to the first meeting, I'm newer to Austin here. I went to the first uh, gathering where the, they were kind of introducing this as a topic. So I just grabbed the book. I went out and bought it right away because I said, I really want to read it. I want to see what we're getting into. And I loved it. Just absolutely loved your approach to it and i could totally see your science background of just kind of putting the data out there making correlations and then leaving people to draw conclusions for themselves and um so i'd love you to just to share a little bit of that if your book's so different from a lot of the books on this topic you know tell us why it's unique or, or why it's such a good resource to share with people well, I mean, like I said, my, yeah, I, I came at it from a skeptical background. And so I was always curious after coming to Christ, you know, what are these things, you know, these experiences where people clinically die? I mean, their heart stops beating, 
brain waves cease, um, and and we're talking dead sometimes 30 minutes, 90 minutes, and and even documented, and yet they revive. And um, and this isn't a small number of people. Uh, the Gallup poll found that one out of 25 Americans has had one of these experiences. So that's like 13 wow. million Americans and around the globe. Uh, it's a similar statistic. And so the, the thing about them is I'm always skeptical of any one uh, experience by itself. And here, here's why. Um, the, the, the only way I can liken it after talking to so many of them, uh, and I've studied over a thousand of them over, over the last 30 years, is imagine if we're living a three-dimensional experience like we're living, but it's really on a flat black and white painting on your wall. Uh, so our experience is lived on this flat black and white two-dimensional painting. And then when you die, you're separated from that painting and you're ripped out of your two-dimensional world and brought into the three-dimensional room that was all around you all the time, but you couldn't even conceive of it. And now you experience three dimensions of color and then imagine being put back into the flat black and white painting and trying to explain an experience of three dimensions of color, this room that's all around you that no one else can see, but you only have 2D black and white words to use to explain it. And that's what I'm convinced that these people are trying. They're grappling for words to explain a, uh, an experience that's truly uh, multidimensional beyond what we experience. That ours is the limited experience, and I think you see that even in like the Book of Revelation or some of the writings uh, of, you know, describing heaven. Um, they describe things that it sounds a little bizarre. Um, you know, a city that's gold but it's transparent. Right. You yeah. know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and 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 it sounds kind of cheesy, but. Once you start to see through the eyes of these people who are saying the same thing, but with different words and different perspectives, you start to see, oh, this is this is real, um, but it's different. It's it's otherworldly. And um, so, yeah, there is um, incredible evidence that uh, this is a global phenomenon and what people come back and experience what they report on it, it has commonalities um, all around the world. Now, how they interpret those commonalities they experience can be different. And people will interpret them on, based on their own worldview. Um, and, and so not every interpretation is the same. But that's, you know, that's why what I was trying to show is the commonalities that people report around the globe, they line up with the Bible. In fact, I've, you know, I've read a lot of the, the scriptures of the major world's religions and especially studied what they say about um, heaven and the afterlife and what to expect. And what I found is like, you know, some will have some correlations with the things that, uh, you know, I found about 40 descriptors that uh, near-death experiencers, NDEers will, will talk about, um, you know, some more than others. Yeah. And of those, like for instance, the, um, uh, the major world's religions, Hinduism, um, in, in Zoroastrianism, there are about four or five commonalities, um, uh, you know, it, but, but there are just as many discrepancies of what you would expect. But with the Bible, there are 38 of the 40 
Uh, and that's what I was trying to correlate and show, um, you know, in Imagine Heaven and to a smaller degree in, in What's After Life. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think that's, that's so fascinating how you did that. I want to ask you one more question kind of about the book, because even that plays into the videos. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about some of those resources that are out there and how you've seen them used. But what would you say is the most common question or concern that's asked about the book and, and how would you, would you answer that? Well, um, the most common well, okay, here, here's what I think for Christians that comes mean, up. It wasn't my question about the, never mind. About the cereal? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> about the cereal, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, besides that one, I think, I think Christians want to understand, you know, why are the, because all around the globe, people experience this brilliant God of light, brighter than the sun. They know he's God. Um, even in India, they don't experience reincarnation. They don't experience the dissolution into Brahma. They don't experience any of that. They experience this brilliant man of light, sometimes described as a man in a white robe with a beard and a book of accounts. And they're describing um, the God of the Bible all around the world. And so people will say, well, if they're not Christians, why would they see God? And I think that's the most common question I get from Christians. You got to remember several things. One, Revelation 1 7 says, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So we know everyone is going to see him. They're, they're going to look at him. That does not mean, uh, that, that doesn't mean they believe in him. Hmm. And in the longer version, so what's after life is kind of the shorter version, handout version to give to, to skeptics and friends. But in Imagine Heaven, the longer version, I give some examples of people that they were there with Jesus. Um, so there's one, one Jewish woman who said she didn't believe in Jesus. And yet when she dies in this car accident, Jesus is there with her. And she's blown away by him because she wasn't expecting him. And he is love uh, like she's never experienced, knows her like she's never been known. She never wants to leave his presence but he shows her uh, a hellish side of the afterlife. And she said, I wanted to stay with him forever, but I knew he didn't want me to stay because if I did, I would be one of those miserable people. So she has this experience and yet her conclusion is, I don't know what to think about any of that because I don't believe in Jesus. Now contrast that with another Jewish woman who actually is um, one of the, interviews in one of the videos and the what's afterlife material her name is Heidi um, she contacted me when I was on uh, Megan Kelly and she said hey I saw you on the news I don't know you I've never read your book but that happened to me when I, I I died when my horse landed on me and crushed me when I was a 16 year old and I was raised in a Jewish agnostic atheist home but I always believed in God and uh, when I died, I ro rose up out of my body and I was standing there looking at my sisters and thinking, I wish they didn't have to see me die. Um, she felt great. But then she said there was this light, brilliant light behind me. And I kind of turned and he moves up and I realized, oh, Jesus. And she said it was the most familiar thing, like she had always known him and he had always known her. 
Now, she actually, um, after contacting me, we start talking about, uh, you know, I start showing her through Isaiah how Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And, you know, she had always believed in Jesus after that, um, but she had never professed faith or gotten baptized. And, and she did just uh, a couple of years ago. So my point is, just because someone sees God uh, in these experiences, God doesn't take away their free will. And I think there's something very instructive when you look at Paul, because I, I believe Paul um, actually had a near-death experience. He, when when uh, he was stoned to death in Lystra in Acts chapter 14, says they dragged him out of the city, left him for dead, and then he gets back up and goes back in the city. And you know later in, in 2 Corinthians 12, he writes, I, uh, 14 years ago, whether in my body or out of my body, I don't know, because they say, I'm still me and I still have a real body. It's a spiritual body. But he says, I was taken up to heaven and, and shown and seen things inexpressible. And so I think Paul had one of those. But remember, even before Paul came to Christ, he's on the Damascus Road. He is killing Christians, arresting and having Christians killed. And this brilliant God of light appears to him. And he knows he's God. And he asks, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I'm the one you're persecuting. But notice something. Jesus does not share the gospel with Paul, just like Jesus does not share the gospel with these NDEs around the globe. He, he doesn't take away our free will, and he says to Paul, go to the city and you'll learn what you must do. And then Jesus leads Ananias to share the gospel with Paul. Paul still had a choice, but he chooses to get baptized. And so I think that's a very important thing to remember is just because someone has this experience uh, or sees God, um, they still have a free will and a responsibility to come back and choose, are they going to seek this God of love that they experienced, or are they going to keep going their own way? And I also think it, it just reveals that it's something that Christians can struggle with as well. Um, and in some ways, they're trying to be discerning, but in other ways, you know, we try to fit God into our little boxes as well in terms of feeling like God is obligated to reveal himself in the same way to every single person. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we certainly don't see that in scripture. He reveals himself differently to a lot of different people. And, you know, we don't all get a Paul experience or a Joshua experience or a Moses experience or, you know, and, and many of these different people. Uh, and so we can't really criticize or toss out some of these experiences that some people might be having just because we haven't had one personally. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God really is the God of all nations. You know, if you yeah. look at the Bible, the Bible is the only religious text of any of the world's great religions where, where God is speaking to all the nations over 500 times. So he's always done everything he's, you know, I mean, he, he created the Jewish nation, Genesis 12, to be a blessing to all the nations. And so he's mm -hmm. always had that in mind. So the fact that he shows up, um, you know, to, to people around the globe, I think for us living in Austin, um, in our, you know, I mean, my neighbors are, I've got seven Indians on my block, you know, and it's a great opportunity because in, you know, in what's after life, I, uh, I intentionally put stories from around the world, including India, um, 
you know, London, uh, Mauritius, New Zealand, Singapore, same, you know, same God, same God showing up. And, you know, it, it's, I think it's a way for us to let people know, yeah, I mean, this, this God who created you is for you. And he's done this through Jesus because he wants you to have assurance that you, you don't have to fear the sin or the things you've done wrong. You don't stand in condemnation. He's not going to judge you if you receive this gift of grace. It's a great opportunity. That's awesome, man. Hey, let's take a quick little break and uh, have a couple of announcements here. And we'll be right back with more of John Burke, Chad, and Saturate on AOC. Calling Molly Martin. Hey, everyone. I'm Molly Martin, tuning in from my couch at home. Hope you are all doing well. Here are some announcements for Austin Oak Church. Um, we would love for you to come worship with us on Sundays. We stream all of our services live on Facebook and on YouTube. So get, search us and you can find it there. And we have our Spanish service at 9.30 a.m. and our English service at 11 a.m. But if you miss it live, we post it on Sunday evening, so you'll be able to find it right after service there. And we'd love for you to stay connected with us virtually. We're doing small groups, our meeting still on Zoom. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out every week. Um, and stay connected with us on social media and our website for the happenings and all the current updates. And lastly, we have Good Friday coming up on Friday, April 10th at 7 p.m. And again, we'll be streaming that live on Facebook and YouTube. And we'd love for you to come remember what Christ has done for us there. And we're going to do that. And then on Sunday, the following couple days later, we're going to celebrate Easter on April 12th at 9, 11, and 1 p.m. And Nueva Vida, our Spanish service, will be at 11 a.m. All right. And that is all for this week. But you all stay wonderful. And... We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at austinoakschurch.org. All right, have a great week. Bye. It is. It's also amazing how much just pop culture is just consumed by our mortality. If you think about all the shows that are out, you know, zombies or even Supernatural, all the TV shows that reflect what happens to us when we die, you know, this other realm, the spiritual realm, how curious people are. So there's, there's already a lot of people, um, it doesn't take a lot to, to have a discussion on, Hey, what do you think happens when we die? And, no, uh, and I think it's the, it's the easiest invite, um, for non-Christians. Totally. Uh, like when, when we first did this series, um, when Imagine Heaven came out back in 2015, you know, our, our attendance was 40% higher than normal because people were inviting their non-Christian friends like crazy. And they were like, you know, because we were showing these videos or interviews of these people, they were like, oh, cool. I want to see that. And that's, so that's what we were trying to recreate as well. Um, you know, for people to be able to share on social media. Um, you know, I think we're going to talk about the, the, the curriculum that yeah. people can use as well. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. Um, uh, yeah, so share share some stories, John, of how you guys have seen the books or the videos being used to engage people that maybe aren't right now 
all that interested in Christianity or spiritual things. It's amazing. Uh, they they're they're reading the What's After Life book and going like, "Hey, I've got a whole group of friends that we read books together. We're going to do this next." And and this woman was not a believer at all, um, and she said, "This might actually open me up." She had read she had read Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ and then read that and was like, "Wow, I want my whole book club to you know read this and talk about it." So they're they're. It, it comes from a perspective, you know, where it, it works from the outside in. Uh, mm-hmm. So it leads toward the gospel when you start to realize that not all these experiences are good. 23% of the experiences are hellish. And so what do you do with that? Um, and this is just coming from secular culture, right? And yet that's a great opportunity to help people see that, you know, um, God actually has made a way that everyone he, he doesn't desire for any to perish, but all to come to the knowledge of salvation, right? And so it's a it's an opportunity to present the gospel. So what we've done is um, I've we've recorded about 20 interviews with the people in the What's After Life book, um, many of them that are in there, uh, including Heidi, you know, the Jewish lady I was I was telling you about whose horse landed on her. Yeah. Um, Howard Storm, a college professor who had a hellish experience. And these are very credible people. We're talking spine surgeons, commercial airline pilots, college professors. So these are people that, you know, they don't have anything to gain, but a lot to lose, you know, credibility wise in their profession, making up stories like this. So in the, what we've done is we've created a curriculum uh, that you can use. Basically um, you can use it even virtually with zoom. Uh, We're going to actually, send you guys, I think, a little YouTube uh, video we're putting together for our church right now on how to do it on Zoom. But basically, you invite your friends into a Zoom chat, a Zoom room, and then uh, show the video curriculum. You can share it with everybody that's in Zoom. And it's like a 15-minute, it's a six, you can do it in six parts. So the first one is like 15 minutes on uh, evidence for the afterlife. And it's doctors, uh, it's skeptical doctors that I've interviewed, and they're talking on there about what convinced them, alternate explanations. And, you know, some of the stuff I just was talking about is how prevalent this is. Um, 900 scholarly articles written on this stuff in, like, the Journal of the American Medical Association, The Lancet, Europe's most prestigious journal. So it's giving a lot of that evidence. And then um, you can just pause it, and we give you a few questions that you can discuss. And then it works through the weeks. So it goes from evidence to the afterlife. And each video is about 10 minutes. It's not very long. It mainly just sets up a discussion. Um, but you're hearing from these different people. Uh, and I'm guiding the discussion. But you're hearing it from these different, you know, about uh, 15, 20 different people. And it works through, you know, the, the beauty uh, of heaven, relationships in heaven, the highlight of heaven, which is God. And then you start to turn of, okay, who is this God? Is he? Has he just shown up on the scene in, you know, modern resuscitation? No. Um, and, and so, you know, we talked through how it aligns best with the God of the Bible, uh, the life review. And then finally, um, you know, uh, hellish, hellish experiences and how they make sense of suffering on earth. So, you know, the biggest question people ask is how could a loving God allow so much suffering? Well, I think, the reality of hell and heaven is the answer to that question. 
And so we wrestle with that in there, that, that what we're experiencing right now is, is God's mercy. This is a limited version of the eternal experience we were created for. But an eternal experience rejecting God, you know, the angels did that. And, and he created a place where they could have their way. There's only one place where God doesn't rule. And, and so, you know, God allows us to go through a taste of heaven and a taste of hell on earth, but it's greatly reduced. He, he, he does that so that we will choose grace and we will choose to love him and, and, and let, him, let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, so we'll come to faith. So, so the whole curriculum basically just walks you through um, where you can do it with non-Christian friends. And it's a great opportunity because everybody's thinking about life and death and things being out of their control right now with the coronavirus. You can invite people into a, a Zoom uh, you know, discussion, something for them to do, uh, and it's on people's mind. Yeah, that's great. And I love, I think one of the, the beauties of it, John, that's so good about it is it's very non-threatening. You're, you're just laying out the evidence and these stories and, and kind of leading people to draw a conclusion for themselves. And I think in, a, in our current culture that's so divided over everything, um, people are having real hard times having face-to-face conversations when they're on different sides of the fence. But when you can hand them a short little book and say, just read this, that we're a lot more open to things when we're reading it for ourselves rather than having someone right in front of us trying to tell us their opinion. And I think yeah. you've done that brilliantly in this book. And even the resources you've put together, I've really appreciated You know, just the thought you guys put into it and, and how you've structured them, not to give people answers, but to to just show them these things and say, you know, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Cause I, we've had uh, several doctors uh, who, you know, my one friend who's a devout atheist and was always making fun of my, you know, beliefs and stuff. Um, but I got him to sit down and, and, you know, look at this. And then we also, we talked through some other, evidence and stuff. And he said, I think I might be opening up to all this, hmm. you know, and it's just, he, people don't know. They just don't know right. how, how much evidence there is out there, you know, but again, God doesn't give us, he gives us as much as we need. Uh, if we, if we truly want him, but he gives us enough freedom, uh, that if we truly don't, we can make our way without, you know, we can make our case, um, but I just think there's a lot there that people just don't know. That's good. It's really been neat. Yeah. So, um, what's your hope, John, for, you know, at the, at the end of life after ATX, the series or the campaign that we're in, what are you hoping to see? Well, man, I, I just, you know, I, I wrote the book and I, I did it because I hope that, many people that were just where I was, you know, which is skeptical, uh, doubting. I didn't believe in Jesus. I thought he was just a good teacher and reading this opened my mind and opened my heart. Um, and then someone presented the gospel to me, really explained it. And I hope those two things will happen. I hope the church 
will use this uh, as an opportunity to really um, engage with their coworkers and their friends um, who don't believe and at least get a conversation started. You know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to do it all. Some plant seeds, others water, but God makes it grow. Um, but you know, at least plant some seeds and, and, and just start some conversation. And that's my hope is that many, you know, many people will, uh, will be in heaven one day. And then I think the other is that when you really, you know, Colossians three, one, um, one through three says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth for your life is hidden with Christ in the heavenlies. And I think the reason we're commanded to think about what's to come is because it changes the way we live now. And that's the other thing I hope, I hope for Christians that, you know, it really inspires them to live, um, just a more all out for Jesus life, you know? This is real, and and this life is short. It's temporary. It's not the real deal. But we're here for a purpose. That's awesome. Are you uh, still playing some music during this downtime? You picking up the guitar, the drums, and jamming out? Oh man, you know I'm, I'm looking at two bass guitars. Probably one of them's yours. <laughs> Did you leave a bass guitar over here? I don't know. <laughs> Does it have a hammer mark in it? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And it's, a, it's a Fender Mustang bass. Is that very good? Yeah. Those and are an, great. And an Ibanez. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. Uh, no, I passed it all on to my son. And, right. And How's he left. doing? He's Is he still he's in L.A.? Doing, oh, yeah, man. He's doing awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like 27 songs out on Spotify now. And um, yeah, and he's, yeah, he's doing great. That's awesome. Except for the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's... I, I think he's about to start driving to Austin, so he's not right. sequestered in an apartment by himself. Yeah. yeah. Well, John, thank you so well, much. Um, th- uh, th- this is going to go out to our entire body here, so we're excited that, um, to have you on here, and just thank you for uh, agreeing to be on here, and, and um, really appreciate you. I learned a whole lot from you, bro. And uh, we had we had, we had some good times. We did, my good friend. times doing doing the little kingdom damage, huh? That's right. And good damage. And I love doing it still with you because we'll be yeah, doing no it kidding. together here Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm excited. I, I'm really excited that you guys are are doing this and pressing forward, uh, even with you know the coronavirus going on and having to do things virtually. I don't know. I just, I just keep thinking, well, God wasn't surprised by this when we started playing it three, three years ago. So, Hey, you know, maybe it's going to go, go bigger than we ever thought in terms of opening people's eyes to Jesus. That's, you know, that's my prayer. That's awesome. I really do. I think the same, John, that it's very timely. Couldn't have come at a more timely place when everyone is asking questions about this kind of stuff. So, it's not coincidental. And I just want to say too, personally, I've appreciated this. Um, I know you probably would come out and say this, but um, I think it's good for people to know you, you contributed significantly personally to this campaign and then really waived any, anything that you would possibly make off this small book that's going out to make it as accessible to churches in our city as possible. And I think that just lends so much credibility um, to what you guys are doing and just your commitment to, to using what God's blessed you with and brought you into to, to bless your community. So I appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. 
very much so. We benefited. Yeah. We bought well, several and, thousand and, of the books. Well, thank you. And, um, and I really appreciate it too. And, uh, and, and, you know, I forgive you guys from, for taking JJ. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, you didn't, you didn't really, uh, yeah, you, you, there was an interim, but, we, but, we purchased uh, we purchased the non-joke version of JJ though, and you gave us the the jokes with him. So I think it was a pretty much a fair exchange there. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, oh, the dad jokes just I, keep growing. Yeah, we, we 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 could have filled up this podcast with just funny memories. Of, <laughs> yeah, we uh, could have. There is some yeah. fun things we did. It would have been yeah, filled but, with something. I know. Yeah, but uh, but seriously, you you guys know uh, what a gem you have. He's he's one of the first one of the most talented musicians I've ever seen in my life, and secondly, one of the most humble, godly uh, leaders I've seen too. So uh, you do you have a great great guy there. Uh, we are very fortunate. All right, gentlemen, I think we got enough here for this. So thank you guys so much. Thanks, man. All right, man. We'll see bye. you guys. Bye. Take care. Bye bye.